Welcome to the Let's Get Entrepreneurial podcast, your go-to resource for navigating the world of entrepreneurship. In today's segment, we're zeroing in on the marketing terms that are the lifeblood of any thriving entrepreneurial venture. Understanding these concepts is not just about speaking the language, but harnessing the power of effective communication to captivate markets and drive growth. The Let's Get Entrepreneurial podcast is your ultimate launchpad for igniting ideas and skyrocketing your entrepreneurial dreams. Tune in, buckle up, and let's unleash the entrepreneurial spirit within. Your two hosts will be Professor Gary Palin and serial entrepreneur Ryan Budden. Good morning, Professor Palin. How are you? Doing really well. How are you? I think if I have two more cups of coffee, I'll be doing better, though. You better stack them up. We're in for a good one today. So we're continuing our series today. We did terms that entrepreneurs should know about financing in our first podcast. Today, we're on marketing, and we're going to do a third one on general terms. Hopefully, this is really informative and gets entrepreneurs in that mindset of where they can mesh and understand conversations, especially if they're first getting into this industry. It's so important to understand the lexicon of any field you're going into. In entrepreneurship, we certainly have our share of them. That's for sure. Sometimes I feel like we create terms as sort of a barrier to entry, as a lot of industries do, I would guess. I'm just a little more familiar with the entrepreneurial one. We're going to start it off with a pair of terms, and that's B2B or business to business and B2C or business to customer or consumer. I've heard it said both different ways. The reason it's a pair is it's two different selling strategies. One is where your business, the first B in both of these, is selling to either another business or selling directly to the customer, which is what I think most people think of when they think of a product that's being sold. It's very important to understand where you are or if you're in both because the buying behavior of each particular group is usually very, very different. If you're doing a business to business transaction, you're probably dealing with a professional buyer of some capacity and they're looking at different things than a consumer driven issue. Some companies will do just one, a B2B or a B2C and some companies will have both strategies, but that necessitates typically two different marketing strategies. That's the important is the realization of who you're selling to and how that has to differentiate the way you're selling to them. Typically, the messaging has to be quite different to attract that type of buyer. My preference is to deal with a business to business. I'm not downplaying I've done business to consumer, but the business to business, I understand the mindset and the logic much more so than I do the business to consumer typically. I have done both in my career, and I think the business-to-business -business sometimes is a more of a win-win feeling, whereas the business-to-consumer is sort of the, I have this thing, and how do I make you want it? The mindset is just really different. Some people are attracted to either or. I don't have the definite numbers, but just from speaking with people in their first-time ventures, I would say at least 90% of them are B2C, business-to-consumer because they've always been on the consumer side of the sale. So therefore they understand that. And that's what they tend to think of is selling to consumers versus most people that I've talked to are typically haven't been on the purchasing side or the business side. That's a good point. So our next term is SaaS or software as a service spelled S-A-A-S. -A -A 
this is a big one because it's a huge trend in the world we're living in, not just in entrepreneurship, is these software as a services. So these pieces of software that you buy a subscription to essentially and can utilize for a bajillion different reasons. There are lots of paying platforms like QuickBooks, for instance. Those are really easy add-ons. Uh, our next term is conversion rate. So the conversion rate is the percentage of visitors to a website or users of an application who take a desired action, such as making a purchase. Pretty straightforward on this one. That's a very important one that many people will overlook. I will see people create some type of platform, typically a website, and they think how many people visit the website is what they're measuring, but that's totally irrelevant. It's what are they doing when they're there? How long they're staying on the website? What's the movement on the website? And then most importantly, that conversion rate. And typically I look at, are they making a purchase or are they looking for a next step, more information for me, something. But just someone looking at it does nothing for me. Also in technology, we're constantly changing things. So it's a really important metric to track so that you can see if the change you made was effective or not. If the conversion rate is increasing, so the rate at which somebody's successfully doing whatever you're trying to make them do is going up, Probably that change was a good thing. If it's going down, maybe you should think about reverting it or making another change. Keeping track of that on a continuous basis is very important. Next up, we have churn rate. Churn rate is the percentage of customers who stop using a company's product after a particular time frame. So it's typically the year, right? You buy that year's subscription. And at the end of that, if you don't renew, you're the churn. That's something they want to continually monitor because if your churn rate is at a certain percentage that's acceptable, you want to make sure it's not spiking for various reasons. That could be a warning sign to look into. If you're seeing an upswing in your churn rate, then you start digging deeper. Why am I increasing my churn rate? Because you don't want to be losing many customers. Some is acceptable. You're always going to lose some. People's interests do change. I've also seen a very low churn rate as a major badge of honor. People that are able to achieve something that's significantly low get to herald that as something they're doing very well. It tells an awful lot about what's happening within your business. And it could be like a competitor is coming in. Your churn rate is increasing because of the direct competition. But there are multiple reasons for that, that being one example. For those who aspire to go higher in their entrepreneurial journey, We've got something just for you coming up next. Are you ready to unlock your entrepreneurial potential? Introducing the Janus Entrepreneurial Report, your personalized roadmap to success. In just minutes, discover your unique strengths and areas for growth. Whether you're a seasoned business pro or just starting out, the Janus Entrepreneurial Report will help you identify and leverage your entrepreneurial tendencies. Don't wait, visit prospirit.com and start your journey to success today. Now, let's dive back into our journey of entrepreneurial insights. Next, we have customer acquisition cost. This is a really important one. Customer acquisition cost is the total cost of acquiring a new customer. It includes all of your marketing and your sales expenses for that individual to become a customer. That's a term I would very often put into a pitch when I'm looking for investors, and it is so often overlooked and not even looked at. When the question comes up, what's your customer acquisition cost? I get a lot of blank stares. If anyone's looking for investors, make sure you analyze this and include that in your pitch. 
But even if you sell funding, you still want to look at what's the cost for the acquisition of a customer because that helps you project as you're moving forward. That and I've been in plenty of pitches where they do have the customer acquisition cost, but it's something like $3. It's just a totally unrealistic number, right? They're looking at a conversion rate or something that they found on Google and not really encompassing the true cost of acquiring a customer. If someone's not sure what would be acceptable, I would start looking into the industry they're in and saying, what's the typical customer acquisition cost? If it's typically $50 and they're at three, they're not calculating it properly. And by industry, those customer acquisition costs can be huge. I just did a, a report for a client and their projected customer acquisition cost is $723 per customer. So obviously the service that they're selling is worth quite a lot of money, but not dissuade people if those are the types of numbers that they're getting. Oh, absolutely. And I've seen higher, but you're just looking at the profitability per customer versus the cost of acquisition. Next, we've got key performance indicators. Oftentimes you hear these called KPIs. A KPI is the measure of value that demonstrates how effective a company is achieving a business objective. Think about a KPI being how many calls a salesperson can make in a day, how many emails they're able to exchange. It's a really specific metric that you can then measure to see how effective someone's being. I know that's one of your favorite areas in business is measuring KPIs. And I believe a lot of your consulting work revolves around measuring KPIs. I definitely am I'm a big KPI person, not necessarily on call tracking, which is just the easiest example, but getting really deep into the weeds of how people are interacting so that you can drive actionable intel from that. If emails are a better response rate, focusing KPIs on that instead of calls, vice versa, email traffic or website traffic, just looking at that as a whole picture can really see where the effort is being pushed and what effort is effective. Next, we have lifetime value. So the total revenue a business can expect from a single customer throughout their entire relationship. This is a super important one, especially after we've just done customer acquisition cost, even if that cost is high, but your lifetime value of the customer is high, you can still warrant the expense initially. Going back to our original term in the B2B arena, the customer acquisition cost tends to be high, but the lifetime value tends to be very high. That's a good example. Our next one is product market fit. This is the degree to which your product satisfies a strong market demand. So it's how perfectly you are addressing the demand. That's when I see many people missing also. And I think that's so important is understanding where the market is and where my product is in delivering this issue. I see first time entrepreneurs specifically will miss this because they're not doing their research to determine how the market fits in. And then they lose off on pivot points and moving directions opposed to the original assumptions. Understanding product market fit is critical in my mind. It is. And the other critical assumption is that it's going to change. Once you have a product market fit determined, it's not like that's locked in for the lifetime of your company or that product that you're selling. It is inevitably going to shift, change, adapt, and it's really up to you to stay on top of that. If it were only so easy that it would stay in stone. Exactly. That'd make our lives much easier. Very much so. Next, we have value proposition. The value proposition is an innovation service or feature intended to make a company or product attractive to customers. So this is that shiny thing. What's drawing people in? 
to me, that's the essence of entrepreneurship is what value are you creating? Because if you are not creating value, you don't have a business. It's as simple as that. It truly is a good term to know when people are asking you what your value proposition is, though. And that's another concept. If you are doing a pitch to investors, you better have value proposition right up front because that's what's in the back of the mind of the investors. What is the value proposition? What value are they bringing to the market? Then they'll look at the product market fit, et cetera. Speaking of pitches, our next term is elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is a succinct and persuasive sales pitch. It's called an elevator pitch because imagine you go to stand in the elevator if you look next to you and you realize that the perfect person for you to tell about your company is standing next to you and you've got two floors worth of elevator rise to do it. It's got to be quick, succinct, grab their attention and convey what you're doing. That's an interesting term that is morphed that I've seen from, God, I probably heard about it in the maybe 90s, maybe late 80s. And people would just be thinking of an elevator ride, but it kept getting so sophisticated you were requested, what is your elevator pitch? Very often you would say, how many floors do I have? There were different levels of elevator pitches though. It'll be a one minute or two minute, but people would be thinking in terms of how many floors do I have? And then there was an explosion of elevator pitch competitions where people would present their pitches and there would be awards based on the best pitches, et cetera, that replaced business plan competitions. I will say another key component to the elevator pitch for those listening is there is no materials being able to be provided. You, you can't have a pitch deck when you're standing in an elevator. It's got to be a verbal presentation that you're giving. Next, we have freemium. Freemium is a, obviously a blend of the two words free and premium. And it's a business model, especially on the internet, whereby basic services are provided free of charge initially. That's very, very common. It allows you to test whatever application that you're using. And they very often will give minimal applications within the product. And if you want more development, more sophisticated, or say more time, more numbers that you're generating with projects, then that expands to the paid version. But it's really to hook into the customer, try the product to see if it fits for them. And then very often they will upgrade to the paid version. That's the concept of freemium. The try it before you buy it model. Very effective. Well, that wraps up our terms for marketing. Any final thoughts? Very important to understand the lexicon of the field that you're in. What I will do again in the description, I'll list these 12 terms with the definitions, but I'll add some extras because there's no way we could possibly cover every term that's involved. I think this is a great resource. So familiarizing yourself with the space so that you can keep up with conversations and even sound like you're more of a part of those conversations is really important. Let's get entrepreneurial. Let's get entrepreneurial. As we wrap up another episode of the Let's Get Entrepreneurial podcast, we extend our gratitude for your presence and attention. Your dedication to the entrepreneurial spirit fuels our passion for creating this podcast. Check out profspirit.com to discover resources and courses designed specifically for innovators like you. Stay on the cutting edge by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, and other platforms as it is released. Until then, keep the entrepreneurial flame burning.